Welcome to Boost Power Podcast. Inspiration, insights, and ideas for your business and your journey. Welcome to Boost Power Podcast. I'm your host, Betsy Weersma. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. And that's why you're here. You were drawn here. You were supposed to be here to listen to the amazing Vivian. I am in London on the road with the Global Sisterhood Podcast Network and blessed to meet, I will say, the most colorful personality in my three decades of podcasting and the most prepared. Vivian, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Betsy. It's lovely to be here on such a beautiful day. Well, I'm so glad to be here uh, doing art in London and meeting such interesting women. And as I told you before the recording, the whole purpose is to tell real stories of women because I think society and sometimes the press just has such a bad rap on entrepreneurial, um, spirited, creative women. So I tried to find them and tell the truth of them. Good. So, so you are the perfect person uh, with a clothing line and being in the fashion industry and all things that I love. So um, start by introducing yourself a little bit to the listeners. They're from all over the world, uh, in the U.S. and also all over the globe. And now your followers can join us here in the U.K. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about you and and kind of I'm always looking for like how you um, grew into you, you know, like your path. A little bit about okay, your path. Okay. So um, I was brought up in the north of England, just outside Manchester. And I I mean, I'm the only one, but I always loved fashion. And around 11 years old, I started making clothes at school. We used to have a thing called needlework. I don't think they do that anymore. Um, and so, so I, I started making clothes uh, when I was 11 at school. And then um, later, as I got to 15 and 16, I started going to charity shops and picking up amazing pieces and then repurposing them so I could wear them for a night out because I did go clubbing quite early in my life. There you go. Um, and at that time, I then became a hairdresser when I left school. I left school early um, because I just really didn't get on academically. I was actually dyslexic, but I, no one told me I was. So I found it quite difficult to learn. And um, I went into hairdressing and it was one day when I was doing someone's hair that she actually told me you could be a fashion designer for a job. And I'd never heard of that before. So I just thought, oh, that's what I've got to do. So, yes. So I applied to the local college and um, I did a course there for three years uh, with this wonderful woman called Jo Tyra. She, one of her protégés was Ozzy Clark. So I was really in good hands with her. Um, and from that, I then applied for a postgraduate course at Central St. Martins in London. Um, and that was in 1981. I actually got into St. Martins. So St. Martins was amazing. It was amazing to be in London. I felt like I'd met my tribe. You know, it was a time when people like John Galliano was there. It was a really, really influential time. So I studied there for a, a year with my postgrad. And then um, I started looking at what kind of work I would do. And there was offers of um, designer jobs, like, but you were really not making much money. Um, so I decided that I would go into what is now known as fast fashion. Um, so I started designing for the high street in the UK. So I worked for about um, seven or eight years designing for Topshop and Miss Selfridge and Wallace and all the high street. But at a certain point, I became quite disillusioned with the whole thing. And I just, the quality wasn't there and it was really, the make was okay, but it wasn't great. You know, I just decided that actually I really didn't want to do that anymore. So, and as a fashion designer, because my daughter is in Milan in year two of fashion design school. Okay. 
Yes. So she's now at NABA. So she started at a different school. Now she's at NABA. And she's decided to specialize in knitwear. Okay. So, um, you know, I hear about this as a mom and I'm paying a lot of money. <laughs> so, um, But yeah, like were you physically designing the look and the feel? Like I think there's so much to it because then there's the pattern and then there's the manufacturing and yeah. then there's the delivery. So on the price, it, everything's got to be and price everything. Price, so yeah. in fashion design, because this also helps me as a mom, you know, are, what part of that did you do? So I did everything. So I was really, I'm really good at fits. I can make, I can cut patterns. I can do the whole thing. And actually, I think it's really important to have that kind of grounding where you do understand something. So um, when you're working with manufacturers or in a sample room, if the person you've got doesn't understand how to do something, you can actually show them how to do it. Right. Because quite often you will get, you know, because you're quite young when you go into your first job and people think you don't know anything, you know. So I would actually get my machine, sit on the machine and say, right, this is how you do something. This is how you do it. And I'd be like, okay. So, you know, so it yeah. really is, I think, important to learn all aspects of all the, the skills. Yeah. No, but that was my little aside because, you know, she is sewing and she is designing some pieces and she's designed collections, you know, that she's drawn. And now, just year two, she's starting to sew some of the collections right. that she's and knit, making. And she's knitting and knit, as well. She's knitting and crocheting. Okay. So, well, we will see. She maybe uh, she needs an internship in London to work for a colorful person, <laughs> and you can put her to work. <laughs> she needs work. We love work. Okay. So you were doing that, and you were like, this is not it. And so what was it? So I then decided to start my own brand. Um, so I started a clubwear brand, which um, I had for about, I can't remember how long, about eight years or something. It seems like seven or eight years, itch or something. Um, and I was selling in Japan, Australia, Hong Kong, New York, and I had a shop in Manchester and a shop in London, and I did really well uh, with it. Um, at the same time, I was teaching at the Royal College of Art, which I'm sure you've understood is one of the best universities in the world, uh, actually. And I was teaching at the American College in London, and I was doing... Um, running a VIP bar at Ministry of Sound, which was just open, which was this major club. So I was kind of doing a lot of things, you know. A lot of and things. I think I got burnt out at some point. Yeah. So um, around this time, I actually split up with my partner, who I thought was my life partner. And uh, I went to um, Miami Beach on holiday. So this would be the early 90s. And I loved it so much there. I was like, I have to move. I have to move. So I... Love Art Deco. I love the building, the weather, everything. I mean, it's everything that UK is not really. But um, I came back to London, determined I was moving there. And six months later, I moved to Miami Beach. And I'd found um, the president's daughter of the college that in downtown Miami lived in London. So I interviewed in London, got a part-time job, and I just moved there. Wow, that's so bold and great. And what a great adventure. Bit, bit scary, but you know, it was fab fabulous. So... Within a couple of weeks, um, I'd met this multi-billionaire who were, had just arrived in Miami and him with, with his wife. His wife was part of the Berta family and they, she used to be the fashion editor for a German fashion magazine. I can't remember if it was Elle or Vogue or something. Mm -hmm. um, so I was taken off to this private island off, off Miami Beach called Star Island to meet them and interview with them and then they offered me some work so basically they I was going to open a chain of lifestyle stores doing fashion swim because I was doing I wanted to do swimwear activewear all that kind of stuff so the idea was to um start off with a few products like swimwear things that you'd want for the beach you know beach resort yeah. and then develop it and then develop it into homewares and then open it up as lifestyle stores around the country 
unfortunately, that didn't really work out. So after six months, um, he, he decided to change tact. He decided to just go into property. I think he's still, well, I don't think he's there anymore because I think his wife sued him and left him. But um, <laughs> he, because he was a play, he was playboy yeah. kind of type. Um, so I then moved to, I decided to move to New York. And I'd met this guy who worked for Interview Magazine and um, he lived in Soho in New York. So I, my friend and I, got a drive away and it happened to be an ambulance and we drove to New York and it took us six days it was hilarious but what a grand adventure yeah yeah we stayed in different you know I can't what do you call them, motels or something we yeah. stayed in different motels Island on the motels. way so yes yeah, so that was amazing but of course when I got there um I was like what am I going to do I don't have a job I don't have a visa I mean you know it's uh so I had gone to I don't know if it was Thanksgiving dinner or something at someone's house, and I met this guy. So this is all kind of like connections of how life's journey yeah, kind of works. Yeah, really, through. Um, I'd gone to this dinner party, and I met this guy, Sherwin, who had a market stall in Soho. So I said, oh, can I come work for you? <laughs> so he said yes. So the next day, or day after or whatever, I started working for him on his market stall. It was really cold, though. It was winter in New York. I mean, yes. And I only had summer clothes, right, because yeah. I'd lived in Miami. So... I was putting on all my layers, um, but then I learned that actually I borrowed a sewing an overlocker machine, and I, I once I worked out who the customers were, I would go out and get fabric, and then I'd make stuff up and then put it on the stall when he'd gone, like because I would run the stall myself all day. Plus, I'd had stock my denim stock from London, which I'd been selling in Japan. I still had some left, so I brought that out, and I sold all my stock as well as working with him. So it was really great, actually. <laughs> So I did that for a few weeks and then um, I got a proper job, like I got a job with a visa and all the rest of it. So that was that. And then I just worked for um, probably, well, I was there 12 years. So I, mean, I lived in Philadelphia for a while. That's how I met Emmy. Um, so I worked for a number of different companies. Well, awesome. And it sounds like one thing led to another. You know, there's that great song, one thing leads to another. It seems like you just kept going and going and going and the next thing kept showing up. Yeah. Exactly. So you're in New York now. And then what? And then so, they're all in their seats. What? What is next? Well, I, mm, yeah. Well, then I came back to London on holiday in 2005 and I didn't get my visa to go back. And I'd been living there 12 years and I'd got. Wow. And I was really, it was an absolute nightmare. I mean, I just thought, what is the universe trying to tell me here? Because, you know, I'd lived there for such a long time and I'd applied for my green card. It hadn't come through yet. So I suffered served for six months in the UK waiting for this visa to come through and then eventually right. I lost my I kept doing my job from here yeah uh, but the company I worked for were quite old-fashioned they, they like bombs on seats so um, after six months I said look we can't keep this going so at that went and then somebody had been looking after my apartment negotiated the lease off the landlord so they took over my apartment so it's kind of like I don't really have anything to go back for yes now. everything kind so, of yeah, yeah, yeah. ended so so that's an end of a chapter is obviously there is a reason for it. So, yeah. um, but when I'd been in New York, I for the last few years I've been designing activewear for like Liz Claiborne, and I've been doing swimwear for the Delta Book. I don't know if you know Delta Book line. Um, so, in the at that time, I'd also met this British woman who was dating one of my old friends, and she later became the creative director of Liberty's uh, department store in London. So when I got back to London, she said, well, I'm, she got a job with Liberties. And then she said, well, would you like to come and do the swimwear? Because we've never done it before. So I started working with Liberties, designing their swimwear. 
I'm kind of going through the archives, looking at the prints, changing the colours. I found the factories, established the fit, you know. So I really, really worked on all the whole aspect of, of developing the product. Um, so I did that for a while. And then um, I, and that was part-time work. So then I got offered a job designed for Marks and Spencers. So I went to Marks and Spencers for a year. But that also was, it was a maternity leave job. So, um, so I did that. And then I was kind of like, okay, I think I need, what, what's next, you know? Um, and I decided that I needed to update my skills. So I, I felt like I needed to go back to university and do something because I'd been studying 30 whatever years ago. And so I felt yeah. that there was a lot of new things. I so could was learn. this, I'm trying to do the math, would this be in your 40s, your 50s? 50s. 50s. Yeah. And you went back to university. So, well, I got an interview and I went for the interview. I had no idea how I was going to pay fees for this to be honest because so I just went for the interview and then I got offered the, the position that's the you know the the course um and but when I'd gone for the interview the guy that interviewed me said to me where there's a will there's a way so every morning when I woke up I was like where there's a will there's a way so every day I set up so so before so what happened I was kind of thinking along those lines and looking at how I could raise money and then my friend asked me to work in his shop in the West End for a few days when he went on holiday. And it was a sustainable shop. And this woman came in and told me about crowdfunding. I was like, oh my God, that's exactly what I need to do. Yes, I need the crowd to send me to university. <laughs> the crowd. So that's I what I reason. did. So I crowdfunded my fees and I did it in 12 days. Wow. And then I went back to university. That is amazing. Okay, we're going to take a quick break because I know you're sitting on the end of your seat and you're thinking, I want to crowdfund something, something great, some more education, something, some great adventure. You're listening to Boost Power Podcast and we will be right back. You are listening to Boost Power Podcast with your host, Betsy Weersma. We are part of the Global Sisterhood Podcast Network women who amplify their voices and are committed to inspiring all people with podcasts on purpose. Enjoy these true stories and proven business tips for your business and your life. Now, back to Boost. Okay, you're back. You're on the edge of your seat and you're like, just let Vivian talk. Don't ask her anything, Betsy. We like listening to her accent. Um, so what a wild adventure. So you're back in London now. And life, life always shows up for you. I want to hang out with you. It seems like it always works out. I have something in my car window that says everything's working out for me and it reflects up so you see it every day. And I believe that, that yeah. like you've been mentioning, you'd get up in the morning and say something's going to be good and this is going to work out. So that's um, one of the things that this podcast is about. Like, how do you Well, do it, it? Is, it is being positive. I mean, when I was in New York and working in a stall outside in the winter, I used to do creative visualization with Shakti Gawain. So I just visualized I was on a beach in Bali, so I wouldn't feel so cold. But you know, I'd visualize that things were going to change and something else was going to happen for me. So um, yeah, so I, I've always kind of been like that. And I do meditate uh, regularly every day, twice a day, actually. Um, That's where I'm going to try. That's my 60s. Great app. Yeah. Um, called Insight Timer. It's okay. the best. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I do my own version of it, but um, I just want to get deeper into that now. I think everything's inside, but that's a whole other conversation yeah, yeah. and that would divert us from this journey. So wait, there's more. Okay, because I have to tell you, if you were sitting here with us in this beautiful London art studio, you would see her outfit, which I would like her to take off and leave for me because it's everything I love. It is orange. Of course it is. And pink. 
and beautiful and bright. And she's carrying one of her signature bags. I am just saying, I'm having a girl crush. Okay, we'll get back to the interview. <laughs> okay, so you're back and you're like, now I've got this education. What is the big idea? Okay, so I decided that, you know, once I'd done that, that I really, I mean, when I went back to university and did this master's, I'd kind of been working on sustainable products in the 90s. I made recycled metal corsets and I worked in latex and stuff like that. But you couldn't really sell products that were, you know, limited edition or recycled or anything like that then. So um, I did, you know, what I want to do is share the knowledge that I've got, um, you know, and just share just share what I've got, really. So I work for um, British government uh, for a company called the Startup Loan Scheme. So every week I um, meet with, I don't know if Zoom, but I meet with uh, startup businesses and I help them put applications together to get funding. Nice. It's not... It's not Free, but it's not free money. You yeah. know, it is a loan, but still, there's a there's a process. Yeah. And so, you know, I go through all the logistics stuff of um, costing things and thinking about your customer base and you know thinking of an avatar and what who's the competitors and how you position yourself in the market, and then of course things like how to cost everything out, how to put a cash flow together, how to work out when you're going to break even, and things like that. So I do that on a regular basis. So that keeps me grounded in that side of the business, you know, in that side of the world as well. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of. I kind of have both. Left brain and right brain. I've, I've got both. You I've do. Got both going Multi-talented. on. Multi-talented. So. <laughs> uh, okay, yes. Yeah, so you're helping that. And then talk about your brand. Oh, talk about sustainability too. We we're going to go back so, to sustainability. Okay. So the reason your brand is so special though is your focus on sustainability. So talk about that. Okay. And then we're going to talk so, about. So the name is Shoshé La Femme and it's look for the woman. And actually the name, it, it, it can be quite negative in the French thing in the way that uh, it translates as it's always the woman who's to blame for something. It's from a man's perspective, which is rubbish. So I think women should create and make trouble because we've sat back too long and let things happen. Um, but I, when I was in Asia, I, uh, I sometimes go out to Asia and work with companies out there. Uh, and in 2016, I think it was, I was over there and I happened to come across this TV documentary um, on the Asian channel uh, news channel and it was showing about the amount of trafficking of women in Asia so from you know to, from from Vietnam to Cambodia and to China um, and it really really upset me um, so and I felt so incensed by it I decided that actually that's I needed to do something about that as well so um, I contacted a charity there um, so originally Shoshi La Femme started off as a t-shirt brand, but I realized that I wasn't really using my skills because anyone can do a t-shirt and put a slogan on it. So I decided that what I really needed to do is go back to my creative spirit, which is more creating garments and, uh, you know, prints and things like that. So um, right now um, I'm, you know, one of the other premises is that I only want to, I don't want to add to landfill. So we don't make any product until it's ordered. So it's all printed on demand. And then it takes, on average, around three days. Um, we're making in the UK right now, but we are looking where there's limitations on certain kind of products. We're looking, we're going to be looking at other countries. Um, so you can order something within three days. And I like, well, I want things to be really happy. I want it to be happy colour and bright and fun, right? I think we've gone through a few years of COVID and lockdown and I just think things need to be bright and happy again. They you know? are so bright and happy. I have every single part of your <laughs> website printed out. I was circling this. I was circling that. I was like, we'll shift to the U.S. How long does it take? That purse is so cute. I like the cherries. I like I like them. Oh, I love the cherries. 
They're so beautiful. And I like the dots. I'm a dot. Totally a dot. dot freak. So totally like every single thing in the dots. So, and so how's it, how was it going? It's, well, I only launched a few weeks ago. Oh, see, I did not know. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I mean, we'll I actually, so I'm working on two businesses. I don't want to confuse things because I have another business I'm working on, but I've decided because that needs a lot of money because that's going to be the ARVR stuff, virtual reality. Um, I decided that I need to make some money doing another business first. It's not quite so difficult because the, you know, the other business I'm going to do is really high end. So things will be a thousand pounds a pop or something like that. So um, so yeah, I only built, I learned how to build a site by um, signing up to um, online to a course. And I did the course over a couple of weeks and I built the website myself. Awesome. Well, it's beautiful. It's easy to navigate. It's real fun. Tell everybody the website. It's cherchezlafemme.co.uk. All right. And we'll have all that in the description so you'll be able to find Vivian and all of her beautiness. Okay, so talk about sustainability. Please educate and inspire us. Okay. So when I did my master's, I discovered that, uh, I I discovered this scientific paper that um, that stated that microplastics are in all the oceans around the world. Um, And on average, when you launder a garment that's a mixed fiber garment in a washing machine, about 1,800 fibers migrate out of one garment into the water table. So in effect, we're all probably, if we eat sushi or a fish, we're eating microplastics already. Um, There is a a product you can buy called a guppy bag. So if you put your synthetic garments in that and wash it, it actually collects most of the microplastics and stops them going into the water. Um, So that also right now, there's a huge move towards ocean, talking about ocean plastics and I was speaking to a material scientist during lockdown who told me that the worst thing you can do to a plastic bottle is make it into a fabric. So you, if you look around, there's loads of companies doing swimwear. It actually leaches more microplastics, smaller microplastics back into the water. So it is really not the best solution for it. Um, so other things, you know, it takes about 2,700 litres of water to make a white T-shirt. Wow. And the, what it, when you make a, produce a pair of jeans, the greenhouse gases is equivalent to driving a car 80 miles. So I, when I look at the you know, normal stores and you see all the product piled up high, I just feel really, I, I get really upset about it. Right. Um, you know, and also because the quality of a lot of products is much lower than it used to be, um, it can't really be recycled it can't really be put into charity shops because it's not of good enough quality so it ends up in landfill and a garbage truck of clothing ends up in landfill every second around the world it's scary it's really scary it's it really is scary so anyway you know that's all negative and we all think we can't do anything about it but we can you know we can we can do things like uh buy better clothes buy better quality clothes that are going to last for a long time and that you can hand down so future generations, you can also buy print on demand, which is what you do, what I do. You know, a lot right. of us are now doing that because we think it's a much more sustainable solution. It is. Um, you can wear vintage clothing if you can find things in your size. And you can also rent clothes. And there's lots of companies now. It's a bit like Netflix for fashion. You can just rent something for, a, for an event and then send it back when you're finished. Right. So it's much, much better way to, to uh, consume fashion. And that's fun. And so that's... so. 
for all of you listening, you know, I have my new clothing brand and it's all print on demand. And it is a higher end, nicer piece. And it washes up well. It's You don't put it in the dryer, so you don't use any energy for the dryer. Exactly. You just hand wash it. You could probably wash it in cold water yeah. and not even put it in the washing machine. Um, and it's so much fun to see that. So I feel so on trend <laughs> all the way over here in London. All right. Well, let's talk about, we always like to leave people with kind of your thoughts from the road and some of the things you've learned. So um, what is, you know, whether you want to do the networking ones or just the general ones, if, if I was just to say, what's the number one thing you've learned through all the twists and turns of your life that have made it turn out okay? Follow your passion. Always follow your passion. Um, I had a near-death experience a few years ago, and uh, in that place, I realized that I hadn't actually done what I wanted to do, that I'd been working for other people to make money, and I just decided there and then that I needed to work for myself and do my own thing. So, And also stay curious. So, you know, lifelong learning is really important. So now you've got the clothing line, plus you, there you said you're excited about some other things. So tell them all about the biggest idea, because they all want to know. I'm excited about new technology in creating materials. So um, there are now, you know, using green science, there are lots of fabrics made, and probably most people have heard of these, uh, materials made from pineapple uh, leaves and from mushrooms and from cactus. I mean, they call it leather, but it's not leather. And I think Paris has now turned around and said, oh, I can't remember if it's Paris or the industry, leather industry, you can't call it leather if it's not leather. Um, but there's a lots of new alternatives coming up, which are amazing. Um, also, you can get you can now get silk from spiders, and it's really really strong silk. Um, but it's normally um, put into goats because spiders cannibalize each other, so they put it into goats, and then from the milk they make the silk. It sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? But it does. It sounds then, very complicated, <laughs> but I'm going with that. Okay. And then there's um, a thing called crabion, which is I, I used to I was using the jersey because uh, I got loads of sponsorship from for companies more well, for materials. Um, the cra- crabion is a, a material that's made from crushed crab shells. It doesn't smell of fish or anything, um, but it's made from crushed crab shells, wow. and it's a really beautiful jersey. So wow. there's lots of food resources being used for uh, new materials, which is amazing. The other thing that's really exciting to me. Um, and that's my other business goal at Destiny, is the whole augmented reality, virtual reality, um, and using 3D design to develop uh, products and samples so that you're not wasting money. Because in, in in, when you develop products, you would spend, you do them two or three times to get them right, whereas if you're doing it uh, with 3D design, it's virtual, so it doesn't cost as much money. Oh, and NFTs, NFTs, non-fungible tokens, amazing. So um, that's... This is this is all the future. The I just want to. Yeah. I just want to be in virtual world. You know, the virtual reality world. Really. Well, everyone is blessed that you have taken time to share your story. Here we are in London, England. We're out on the road with the Global Sisterhood Podcast Network, with my commitment to find the coolest, most creative, most fun women ever, and I always do. And it's always fun to hear your story. So, is there anything else you would like to impart in the women of the world? <laughs> Because I, you prepared better than any person I've ever had. So you get to say whatever you want to say. So, okay, world, okay. are you ready? Vivian's got these prepared for you. Ready? Okay, you're ready. Go. 
Okay, so I've got three different things, but the first one is broken into four parts. Don't you love that? She's got four parts of the first thing. Some people look at me <laughs> and go, more bang, for your ba- more bang for your buck. See, you so know? thank you for paying the extra for the Vivian <laughs> podcast because it's extra good. All right. So the Toltec belief system, uh, the four agreements, and this is looking at the concept that we don't really see life as it really is. Um, so the first one is be impeccable with your word, and that is to use the power of your word in the direction of love and truth and speak with integrity. Uh, The second one is don't take things personally. When you're immune to the opinions and actions of others, you won't be the victim of needless suffering. So this happens a lot. People, somebody say something and then people get really upset about it, but it's not about them. It's about the the person themselves, yeah? Um, Don't make assumptions. You know, always have the courage to ask questions because you will assume something and it's not correct. So you just need to clarify what, what any situation is. And always do your best. So that is, you know, that changes all the time, depending on whether you're really healthy or you're really sick or whatever. But you just do the best you can. And don't judge yourself. Um, And don't be abusive to yourself. We all have these little voices in our head that tell us we're not good enough. Or I mean, I still have imposter syndrome after 40 years in fashion. You know, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Anyway, so that's one. And then that's one section. And then the next section is the Aikigai. So that's the Japanese secret to a long, healthy and happy life. And I love this. I've got the book. I can share that with you. So that's find your purpose, nurture friendships, and throw yourself into your passion. And I've added one extra, and that is never, never retire. Never Never retire. I'm with you. Never Never retire. retire. Now, I just want to finish on one quote. Um, This is from the former President Obama, uh, where he says, we are the first generation to feel the effect of climate change and the last generation who can do something about it. That is powerful. Vivian Austin, fashion designer extraordinaire, creative mind, industry leader, force of nature. I'm going to I'm going to give you force of nature. <laughs> we are so honored to have you on Boost Power podcast and I just offer you that anything you want to come do in America or Colorado, I'm hanging out with some brand new people in the fashion industry that are very excited about sustainability. Okay. They don't know what you know. Um, they don't know about the mushrooms, and now I'll never look at a spider. The, I'll look at it always different now, like, hey, you, I might need you later. Um, so let's stay connected. And if you're okay. ever coming over to the States, um, let, you know, let's make up some craziness and cool. some fun. Cool, great. And perhaps we can use some art, some art that's in this very studio and your talent and some craziness, and who knows? Change the world. Sounds perfect. One person at a time. You're listening to Boost Power Podcast. As you can see, you're very lucky. You got Vivian today. (laughs) That was no accident. Something in her story, something in her drive, something in every single life lesson she gave you in the last tips. So go back there and replay that a few times. I will. Something that you heard today will change your life. And that's why we're here. Please share this podcast with other people looking to plug in for positive energy and fun. This is your host, Betsy Weersma. Thank you for listening to Boost Power Podcast and plugging in stories from the journey of life and business. Our music is by award-winning singer-songwriter Megan Burt, and we're produced at the Cinder Sound Studios in Colorado. We are part of the Global Sisterhood Podcast Network, people committed to podcasts on purpose that are designed to uplift and inspire. Please subscribe to Boost on your favorite podcast platform and tell your friends to join us. Learn more, BetsyWearsma.com.